Hey Parker, how are you on this summer day? Hey Carrie, it's good to see you. I'm just fine and excited about this podcast, which uh, we're titling with a brilliant line from one of your songs. Why don't why don't you uh, tell us what that title is? Well, the title of this podcast is The Curious Promise of Limited Time. So let's enter into that. Welcome to The Growing Edge. I'm Carrie Newcomer. And I'm Parker Palmer. To the words and To us and how we live between the words. Carrie, I remember pretty clearly the first time I heard your song, every little bit of it, and you got to this line about the curious promise of limited time. And I was I was deeply struck by it. I was probably in my 70s by the time I, I heard that song. And um, it, it, as I had been thinking about aging, but also about a lot of other things in my life, the, the curious promise, promise of limits generally um, it was, was really uh, intriguing to me. Um, as, as the limited time in my own life became clearer, on this journey called aging, I realized that some wonderful things were happening to me. I was, uh, I was deepening in my appreciation for life itself. I was sharpening and clarifying what it was that I might want to give myself to in the years ahead. Um, so I had my own reasons for um, being intrigued with this notion when I first heard you sing it. Uh, what I, I'm wondering where it, where it came from with you, Carrie, when you were writing that song, which, as I recall, is on your album, A Permeable Life. Well, thank you, Parker. Yeah, it's it's um, the, uh, the line itself um, really points toward this idea that as human beings, our our horizons are limited, you know, that that we are uh, mortal beings. And, you know, in American culture, we don't like to think about that much. But I think particularly with the advent of the COVID crisis, it's something that many of us have had to look at more carefully, that that we each have a horizon line. And because of that, not in spite of that, but in because of that, it's an invitation to live into the time we have um, with more um, clarity and meaning and passion and awareness to really appreciate this the preciousness of of you know this time we have mm-hmm. as mary oliver would say what what are you going to do with this one wild and precious life right right a line that millions and millions of people just adore and uh, try to try to live by as often as they can you know i think when i when i heard the line it, it clearly spoke to me as a person then moving into his 70s now into my early 80s um, in, in terms of mortality and I know we want to re- return to that as this podcast goes along but it also spoke to me around things that I'd been thinking about for many years like creativity 
you know, we, we normally think of creativity as a word that, that uh, is, has to do with potential. And it does. Um, you know, what's the potential in this situation? What, what's the best possibility that I might bring forth as a, as a writer or as a painter or as a sculptor or as a, as a parent, as a, as, a, as a friend, as a citizen? I mean, there are all kinds of ways in which people can be and are creative. But all of that potential happens within limits. And somehow it's the, it's the limitations that that manage to sort of squeeze the best potentials out of us. Um, so it, it, by potential, we can't possibly mean everything is possible in this situation. If you're a painter, you have a canvas that has a limited size. You're working with a medium that will do some things but not other things. Um, if you're a writer, there are all kinds of things you want words to do. You want them to dance. You want them to sing. You want them to be compelling. You want them to communicate. But not all words will serve those ends um, because words have their limits. So much depends on how you put them together, the words you choose, the combinations uh, that, you, that you stitch together on the page. Um, I think it was Mark Twain who said the um, the uh, difference between the right word and the wrong word is the difference between lightning and a lightning bug, which I, has always made me laugh as a writer. You know, how do I find the lightning? But it, it's somehow in the limitations of the material that we're working with, including the work we do with each other as human beings, because we have our limits too. It's somehow by honoring those limits that we also honor the best potentials in that situation and the limits somehow compel us uh, if we're if we're paying attention to uh, to be our best selves or to do our best work does that does that make sense to you yeah it it does you know i just think about the the two the two of us um you know you're a writer you have worked most, mostly in longer forms uh, throughout your writing career. You write full books and uh, longer pieces. and uh, But you also write essays. And uh, your last book actually was a collection of uh, things that began as blogs and then uh, expanded. But you've worked a lot in longer form, mm -hmm. though you have worked in poetry as well. Um, as a songwriter, you know, I, I gravitate to a, a, a really shorter form songwriting you've got about three and a half minutes four minutes you know only bob dylan gets 10 minute songs <laughs> only bob but the rest of us you know we get about three four minutes and and so you you have this limit on what you can say and yet there's this real excitement about uh, choosing the right word, choosing the right way of putting it together to to weave it really powerfully with music that backs up everything you're saying and everything you're, um, you know, that that the music and the language are informing each other uh, all the time. So there's something really wonderful about that sh short form mm -hmm. that I've always gravitated to um, because of the limit. Mm -hmm. It asks me to be... Um, specific more specific and at the same time like a like 
poet poetry will do point toward a direction beyond mm-hmm. the words mm-hmm. so um so yeah so i kind of get what you're saying that 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 when you when you when you're working within your context um you know i have a song called three feet or so i can't change the whole world but i can change what's three feet around me mm-hmm. when we embrace where we are and that curious you know that curious limit um well, the curious promise that's within those limits. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, really powerful things can happen. You know, you give a little kid 64 crayons, that's overwhelming. What do you do with puce? I mean, really. <laughs> I mean, mag- mag- magenta. You know, it's like, but um, you give a, someone a piece of paper and some color, and and within that they create something really amazing mm-hmm yeah red and blue and green can get you a long way in this world yeah, yeah. absolutely um you know as you were talking carrie i was the image that was coming to me was an, an image of compression of coal of carbon deep under the earth over eons of time forming a diamond and there's there's something about that compression isn't there um, that yeah. that creates the the preciousness of a of a piece of work, and the the compression of our lives brings up new things in us that that haven't been there before, and and we learn we learn a little bit at least about what William Blake meant when he said you can see the universe in a grain of sand. Um, it, it's that microcosm that you often hold up in your in your music or that good poets hold up in their poetry that that little tiny reference that reveals a whole a scene that, that reveals a world of meaning um, and and the gift to the listener in in your songs or in good poetry is that um, by by compressing the reference you you somehow paradoxically open up this huge space in which the reading reader yeah. or the listener can find his or her own meaning. Um, yes. You know, I've uh, I've always been amazed as I've uh, as I've uh, watched your art and artistry develop over the last fifteen years or so, at the at the number of ways people from very different walks of life, people of very different life experiences, will find their own story in in your story. You know, when when the story that, that you've lived is yours, it, it's unique as as is everyone's story. Um, but somehow, one of the things we know as writers is that if we're willing to be faithful to our own story, and in your case, to be faithful faithful in that microcosmic way, not you know not trying to tell the whole autobiography, but lifting up a microcosmic piece of it, a crystalline piece of it. People will be able to find their story, however different it may be, in 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 what we have to say. It, it's an amazing. It's an it's alchemy, isn't it? Well, and it's interesting. Kind of going back to that that original phrase, the curious promise of limited time. You know, I I think you know we're talking a little bit about limits and, and how. Limits can sometimes help us to creatively expand, which seems like a paradox. But how that paradox works is like, you know, the pressure that creates a diamond from coal sort of idea. Um, 
But I'm also like, I, I want, want to lift up another aspect of that, uh, of risk taking. Mm-hmm. That when you, when you are looking at uh, a horizon line, that, you know, living into that day, living into uh, that moment, living into that part of your life with full awareness and promise, um, you know, becomes, I don't know, there's a vibrancy to it. And also, uh, it asks us to take more risk. That, you know, I think right now with COVID, I think a lot of people that I've been talking with are saying, this has really asked me to reevaluate something, to reevaluate, do I want to go back to what it was exactly like before? Um, are there things that I'm learning in this in this time period that I want to carry with me? Um, and if that's true, if I want something to change, that might mean stepping into something risky, mm-hmm. um, following your soul's imperatives, following your nose where you may not know exactly what it's going to look like. None of us actually know exactly what it's going to look like right now. Right, and we never have. And, we, we we may have had the illusion in the past that we do or could control it, but we never really had that ability. And and I think we were talking earlier before before that we started talking on this podcast about what is it that, you know, what is it you want to build now? Mm-hmm. What is it you want to live into right now? Because, you know, we are living right now in this moment in the curious promise. So, um, and I, I, in terms of creativity, I, I, one of the things that we're going to be doing in this, this podcast that, that I'm so excited about is we're going to be talking about a song of yours, uh, uh, a song that came out of your desire to take a risk. You know, as a writer, as a creative person, you have a format you've worked in that you're very comfortable and you've mastered uh, in many ways. But you decided, I, I remember you, you came to me, we were talking and said, you know what, Carrie, I'm 80, I want to write a song. Well, that's and I true, said, yeah. And I said, okay, <laughs> then write a song. Well, you know, you know when we... <laughs> and when, I'll be right here when, going, when, yeah. <laughs> I, I know, and, and so the, yeah. So this is, <laughs> I guess, this is the is the big, um, I don't know, uh, Nashville promo for my song, my first, <laughs> you know, singer songwriter song. But I, you know, this it's very touching to me the way the way this unfolded. You know, when I first started working with you, maybe fifteen years ago, I said, I said, my goal here, Carrie, is is that I fulfill a childhood dream, which is to end up in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, right? Every, <laughs> every, everybody who's ever been to one of our public gigs knows that, because I talk about it all the time. And you reminded me that this was folk singing, and I said, I don't care, It's it's got to, I need your help in getting into Cleveland. So um, I finally was able to kind of let go of that aspiration, although I harbor secret hopes that it will still happen. But I thought, okay, then let's make it just writing a song, um, which I had had never done before. And it's a song that's very much related to aging and, and mortality. But it, it also, um, as we begin to introduce it, leads me back to something that you triggered a little bit earlier, which is that it makes me so sad to see people come into their 
mid-70s, their late 70s, their early 80s and on, and basically say, I guess my life is over. You know, I, I guess there's, there's, my working days are past, my friends have gone, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And there's nothing left for me to do. Because I see that as very risk averse. I mean, mm-hmm. with deep empathy yeah. for all, for the folks whose health won't, won't permit anything of scale. Um, I've still known people in ill health who had inward revolutions of one sort and another, revolutions and revelations that expanded their lives and the lives of the people who were, who were close to them in those final years. But it is a risk. It, it's the ability to say, well, my days of risk-taking aren't over. I still have that capacity. And why would I not want to take risks when risks could lead to new life? Um, and, and so it, if, if, if this little story of what happened with this song has meaning for me, which it does a lot, it's a meaning that I hope um, other elders, I hope it, it will speak to them as well about the possibility of sort of giving yourself to something new, you know, to disproving the old adage that you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Because the whole journey of of working with you to learn to write a song um, has been so expansive for me and and so encouraging for me. And I I have to say, it it took a lot of chutzpah to imagine (laughs) that you, a person I regard as a virtuoso songwriter as well as performer, a real genius in both of those areas, that that somehow I could, you would partner with me in this, in this enterprise of, of writing a song. Which is so fun because I was like, you know, it just, it goes, it goes both ways. And I think there's this little mutual admiration thing going on for what we've both, you know, worked very hard and been very passionate about. Um, and then it was just plain fun, you know, because, yeah, w- when you look at limited time, then you start to ask yourself, you know, what risk should I take? And what are the things I need to lay down right now? What is it time to lay down if there's limited time? And, you know, laying down the idea that, well, this is what I know and I should always just do what I know, Mm -hmm. you know, and not risk doing something that you want to do, that you feel like you're, you feel something in yourself leaning into in some way or another, you know, whether it's to write a song, whether it's to learn to play the guitar, whether it's talking to your neighbor, you know, mm-hmm. you know, there's just so many, so many things that we we're leaning into, but it feels risky. Yeah, yeah you know? absolutely. Generally, I feel like, generally, I've always believed that if it feels a little risky, it's probably the right direction. Yeah, I think I think the the feeling of nervousness is the feeling of new life, and in that mm-hmm. sense, it's it's a reliable guide to the new life that that will come if you are willing to take this risk, one way or another. So now I feel like I'm standing on the edge of a precipice where this song that we've been talking about actually needs to be shared with people. Let's just play it. <laughs> and yeah. I think I think uh, I want people to know uh, that. 
the song will be on our Growing Edge website, uh, which is newcomerpalmer.com, www.newcomerpalmer.com. And not only will um, the audio be there, but Carrie, you created with your musician friends a beautiful, beautiful video of the song, um, which will be uh, available there as well. But I guess for the moment, for the for the whole range of podcasts, we can we can just play it right now, huh? And people can watch the Let's video. Let's do that. Yeah. The music will play on. I've been hearing music from the moment I was born. Spent a lifetime looking for where it's coming from. Sometimes I came close to it, sometimes I got off course. These days I feel I'm heading home to the music source. If I could, I'd dance this way forever. But some soon day my dancing here will end Music will play on Then one day I'll be gone I'll dance into the darkness As new life dances in At times the music's heavy Then it floats away simple steady heartbeat can get me through most days I'll be out here dancing long as I can feel the beat take my hand my love and catch the next dance with me if I could I'd dance this way forever but some soon day my dancing here will end Play on, then one day I'll be gone. I'll dance into the darkness as new life dances in. time will come but life does not go silent once our dancing's done these harmonies will always call from beyond the years the heavens dance forever to the music of the spheres if I could this way forever But some soon day My dancing here will end Music will play on Then one day I'll be gone I'll dance into the darkness As new life dances in If I could I'd dance this way forever 
But some soon day my dancing here will end Music will play on Then one day I'll be gone I'll dance into the darkness As new light dances in Into the holy darkness Where new life begins Into the holy darkness Where new life Parker, I'm so glad. I'm so glad to to bring this song into the world and have it here on the podcast. And as you said earlier, that it, it will be on our, our website for free download. And um, the video will be on YouTube and we'll be also putting it out in other places for, for people to, yeah. to I, hear I, it I, and to have it. I think it gets me one step closer to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. <laughs> Pretty sure about that. Um, since it's free, I, I won't wait for the royalty checks to roll in. But, but let yeah. me back up a little and um, talk a bit about my, my own creative process in writing this song, which you know well because you worked with me on it from from the beginning of my wish to write a song through the inspiration that took me there. I, I began uh, writing a poem using the metaphor of the road. Uh, you know, the road, it's an old uh, meme and even a cliche that the road goes on and on, uh, even though we travel on it for only a limited period of time. And I worked, I worked that metaphor for a couple of months, uh, going, you know, back to the poem again and again and again for briefer and shorter periods of time. And <clears throat> finally realized it just wasn't happening for me. The, the road had hit a dead end. Uh, the mm -hmm. song, it hit a dead end. My creative process, it hit a dead end. And I guess I've learned enough about uh, my own creative process over the years to, to know something that you know, too, that I think everybody does who, who uh, you know, swims in these waters, which is that when you're stuck, you're stuck, and you just need to stay stuck for a while and see what, what might loosen up. Um, as not so much consciously, but but unconsciously, something mm -hmm. may well happen that nudges you in a new direction. So one morning, after some weeks of stuckness, I woke up with a line running through my head and my heart. It happens to me every now and then. And that line was, if I could, I'd dance this way forever. If I could, I'd dance this way forever, which then became the the opening line of the of the chorus in this song, and it just made all kinds of sense to me that I, I love dancing uh, all the way from you know the the rock and roll dancing I did in high school and college to the fact that Sharon and I dance in the kitchen <clears throat> when a when a good piece of music comes on, um, and. And I, so I, the dance metaphor made all kinds of sense to me. 
Um, I've always had a sense that somehow the, the cosmos was a, a vast dance. Uh, Thomas Merton wrote about what he called the general dance once. So that metaphor was very real to me. And the line, if I could, I'd dance this way forever, that came to me was one I really loved because it says, I love dancing, but I'm not always going to be able to do it, at least not here. Um, and I wanted to convey that sense in the song and make it a song of of honesty and yet uplift at the same time. Um, so thus the title eventually emerged, The Music Will Play On. This, this music that we're all dancing to all the time, whether we know it or not, but that's been a pretty conscious part of of my life for a long time. So that's so I kind of brought you that some of that raw material, and we started working it together, both the the lyrics and the music, which you which you uh, invented. Well, you know, it's it's interesting because uh, it it really does say a lot about process. Things don't always happen in in a moment or in a day or in a week. You know, things that are important sometimes take a while. And they take picking up and laying down and mulling around for a while and, and uh, being frustrated and being patient. And, you know, the growing edge is like that, that, that it doesn't always come on the time on the time frame that, that would be the easiest and most comfortable. And, and so I remember that first, the first road metaphor and, and, and talking with you about that in the poem. And, um, and it wasn't quite right. It, it got there. It got part of the way there, but it wasn't right. And, and you had to kind of sit with that. Well, this is the right, this is the direction, but it's, I'm swimming in the water. I'm swimming in the water, but I'm not quite swimming with the current yet, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then when you had that, that dream and you woke up with that phrase it was like something shook you know a little bit um, and that was nice too because then became the process of honing on that creating lyrics with that and and I remember trying one music form with it and say how about this and you coming back uh, you know listening to it and saying that's not that's it's close but it's not the feel and giving me some ideas of um, you know emotionality you know what what should the music feel like and maybe even examples you know not this but the way the emotion feels in this music and mm-hmm. um, so it was this wonderful dance of language and music and and nope that's not it and yeah that's it mm-hmm. and um, and uh, because you were one of the most intentional writers I've ever met in my life, you know, we talked for weeks on one one word. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's right. You're a little bit that way yourself. I mean, well, yeah, I've been told <laughs> to not people do not play Scrabble with Carrie because she'll be looking for a better word all the time. Yeah, we're both we're both really at this at this very moment, Carrie. We're both flipping through our thesauruses looking for polite synonyms for obsessive compulsive behavior. Right there, you go. That's exactly what we're doing. <laughs> when it comes, well, at least when it comes to poetry and other things, well. <laughs> You haven't seen my office lately, but um, but but you know it's like there was this wonderful dance of creative collaboration that was so wonderful. 
of the pulling together of, of, you know, your gifts and your experience and what you were trying to say with this for yourself and for anyone who might hear it. Yeah. 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 And it was was so fun. it, It was beautiful the way you looked for music that would honor all of my intentions that way. And I, I have a vivid memory of, of uh, when we turned the corner on music, because Sharon and I were up north, we were on vacation up near the Boundary Waters of northern Minnesota, and you sent a sound file with that, with the first tune you had created. Hmm. And and that, I wrote you and I said that, thank you so much, this, is, this inspires me, and it feels a little off in terms of the emotionality that I, that I experience around these, these lyrics. So, I, I had I, I have a limited musical vocabulary. I don't know the names of all the colors, uh, as it were. But um, Sharon and I went into town at one point where we had um, access to better Wi-Fi, and <clears throat> we um, were sitting at lunch. And Sharon said, "Well, let, let's listen to some of the Carrie songs that we really love, and see if we can find." clues there that and and then we could send her the songs that that we love to give her a sense of of what you're looking for so that's what we did and i think that you know that your own music using your own music to communicate back to you when i don't have the language for it was was just a really interesting and helpful next step and what blew me away was that on the very next take you came up with what I think is the perfect tune. And then you got all these amazing musician friends of yours uh, to come together. So and, and we're going to name them on our on our website. Uh, but these, these wonder, a wonderful pianist and, and a cellist and a, a rhythm guy. Um, what, what came through from that studio recording, which you graciously let me zoom in on, so I yeah. can pretend I was the producer. Uh, <laughs> was, <laughs> no, you were. It was, was really a collaborative a, production. It yeah. was a terrific experience. Yeah, and that was fun too, the actual recording of it. And I'm just going to say names. You know, Ali Summers played fiddle and cello hmm. and Gary, our wonderful uh, collaborator and co-collaborator on many things. Uh, Gary Walters played piano and... Uh, Steve Mascari on the bass, David Weber did all the recording and, and, and the rhythm work. And, um, you know, it was real. And, you know, I, I, I was, I'm, I'm in there in the mix too. So it was really fun. And it was really fun. Again, it was a risk. It's like zoom you in and talk about production, talk about how we want this to be recorded, which is another art form that was new for you. Yeah. So, so there was all kinds of risks being taken, and you know it was really it was really fun to to jump into it together. Um, you know the song itself. You know the song itself. One of the things I I loved about working on it was it does talk about limited time. It does talk about it does talk about the music going on here as we know it, and yet. You know the music going on for you maybe in a different way mm-hmm. it there's something and there's also this wonderful sense of when things fall apart what looks like falling apart something else is being created and born mm-hmm. 
you yeah. know. The new life dancing in. I remember when that image came to me that, you know, as as the older folks, the older growth takes their leave, the new life emerges, um, which is just the way of the world. And it's, it's a wonderful way. It's a hopeful thought. And I, I think it's really important for me anyway to say, I, I, I work very hard to face life's realities and to not blow smoke about things that might be, in fact, very challenging. So this, it, it's possible that my own process of dying will be very challenging. It might be very painful. It, it might be prolonged. Who knows? I don't know. But I think every work of art if I can call this song a work of art, it's my art anyway, if it's measured on any grand scale, it's not that much, but it's mine, it's my voice, it's my reality. I think every work of art is aspirational. And mm -hmm. it, it, the song at least says for me, how I, how I would like to hold the experience of aging and eventually of dying. How I will hold it, I don't know, but I'm already, Carrie, and I don't think I've told you this, experiencing the power of the aspiration that's in the song. Because yes. every now and then these days, given what's going on in our world, uh, given the omnipresence of, of death in the face of COVID-19, and, and for me, metaphorical deaths of many, many sorts. You know, it seems to me that politically, almost every day, something that I really treasure, really cherish someone makes an effort to kill it, um, uh, values and, and uh, deeply held hopes. And so in the midst of all of this, I will once or twice a day sometimes play this song again, watch the video, hear the music, listen to the lyrics, experience the uplift of it, and, and find encouragement in that. And I think, you know, everybody who's ever put pen to paper or paint or ink to paper or done anything creative, either in material form or in relational form, um, having, having that as part of one's story and something you can return to time and time again to remind yourself, this is what I, how I wanted to be. Um, when the going gets rough. I think that's of immense value. There is something aspirational about the story you tell in this song. And there's something aspirational uh, in the stories we tell ourselves and we tell one another. Um, it can be. Uh, or, it can, or it can be defeating, depending on how we, we choose to tell the story. Um, I have a song called You Can Do This Hard Thing, and I wrote it because I needed to tell myself, you can do this hard thing. And, um, and, and, and the song, I continue to sing the song because it continues to be aspirational and it still mm -hmm. uh, resonates for me. One of the things I've really loved about this podcast and, and the website and the project, The Growing Edge, is that you and I personally keep living into our growing edge. You know, that the Thurman quote that we started with, mm. um, that worlds are dying and worlds are being born, you know, that 
that uh, to stand uh, on the edge, uh, on the growing edge, uh, as long as we have breath. You know, it's like it's 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 aspirational um, quote that we started with, and I I've loved hearing other you know our guests who come on and talk about their growing edges and their aspirations, and I love talking about it in this song and how how this was one way that you're living into your own growing edge. Too. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, uh, I want to say, um, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sociologist. I, I always say I'm a recovering sociologist, but I, maybe, I haven't, <laughs> maybe I haven't recovered fully enough. But uh, when, we, when we talk about this kind of thing, I, I always have a, a thought right underneath that about the reality of American culture and how it is a culture that is in denial of the of the kind of uh, thing that I think Howard Thurman was trying to say to us, because Howard the Howard Thurman quote begins with an acknowledgement of death, and goes on from there to say, "Look well to the growing edge." You know, the birth of a child is the answer, the response to the death that we see around us, and God knows we see a lot of it around us these days. It's being brought to our attention. Um, in in ways that we should have recognized before, and now a lot of people are in a process of awakening. Uh, it's a little late, but it's not too late. And and in American culture is is the culture I grew up in said every day in every way things are getting better and better. You know, every day yeah. in every way you're getting better and better. Well, that's a lie, and it's a lie that will. Um, that will trip you up when things visibly aren't getting better. I think there's a, a fair number of Americans who understand that the, that the least trustworthy kind of leadership that we can be offered is the leader who is the constant cheerleader for things that aren't happening or things mm. that are impossible under the conditions it's impossible that they would ever happen. And, and so, you know, we're in the midst of a pandemic and, and we were for a long time being told, no problem, it'll be gone soon. And in a, in a very literal way, that has led to death. So this, this fabled American optimism that every day in, in every way things are getting better and better can in fact lead to cataclysmic death. The, the only sane view of life is life is a very mixed bag. Life contains darkness, life contains light. And we have to learn to do the dance of darkness and light to keep it real, uh, to keep it honest, and to make sure we're leaning toward life and not toward death. Um, and, and we need leaders and we need friends who can acknowledge that with each other uh, to, to stay encouraged in what is really a very complicated journey. It's not easy holding the paradox, holding the both and, um, you know, to, I've always thought, I've thought for a long time that, you know, the glass is not half empty or half full. It's just a really big glass. <laughs> you know? right. And that, um, 
you know, it, to fall too hard on either side of the paradox. Everything's going to be okay, and uh, you know, it, it's just going to magically go away. You know, or lean too hard into uh, it. All is lost, and and to fall into despair. You know, leaning too far into either side of that gets us stuck. Um, you know, we never actually get to lay down the work that happens with the holding of the paradox, mm-hmm. the holding of the both and, mm-hmm. to be a better writer, to be a better artist, to be a better um, community, a better world. You know, we'll be working on this for a long, long time, holding the paradox of what is and and what could be. So, um, you know, so I think, I think we are living in that time, you know, when we're seeing, we're seeing really clearly uh, in, in new ways, the paradox we're holding, what, what is and what could be. Um, and, and, and how do we, how do we work with that individually and as a community daily? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's such, we're living in such troubled times. I have to say, I have, I have, I call them bad COVID days. And I don't want to make light of that, like a bad hair day or something. But, you know, but I have days where the heaviness of it really weighs on my heart and uh, on, on my mind. And I have to hold the paradox of it so close to my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, there are days when, um, you know, I, I can see that the, you know, it's not half full, it's not half empty, it's a big glass. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I've been, my thing is I've been trying to bike every morning before it gets too hot, you know. And to feel the coolness of the morning and the three yellow finches that crossed my path and that were just stunningly beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, you know, to hear stories cool. about Allison's baby girl, you know, mm-hmm. to to hold those so, so close to my heart. So, um, so I, I think... You know, one of the things I, I liked about the song and working on the song and the growing edge of the song is that it really was holding this this paradox that, that we're all holding, whether it's about um, the horizon line of mortality or it's about what is and what could be, the risk we want to take while we're here in this one wild and precious life. So, so anyways... Um, I think we're getting to like takeaway time, right? Yeah, I, th- I think so. I just want to say that your work has always held that paradox. I mean, even the simple line, you can do this hard thing, says you can do it, but it acknowledges that it's hard. And the, the person who can do the hard thing understands both poles of that paradox. So I just want to say one more thing about the song. Um, uh, and that is, I remember clearly when we added a tagline because it just seemed needed. So the the chorus uh, throughout the song and, and at the end goes like this, If I could, I'd dance this way forever. But some soon day my dancing here will end. The music will play on, then one day I'll be gone. I'll dance into the darkness as new life dances in. And then the tagline at the very end of the song, into the holy darkness where new life begins. Into the holy darkness where new life begins. And I really love that sort of nod to mystery there. 
Um, yeah. The, the, the infant comes out of a holy darkness that is total mystery. Um, as I've often said to folks, I have no bad memories of wherever it was I came from. So why should I fear what it is I'm returning to? This holy darkness where new life begins. So I'm grateful for each and every word in that song. Each and every word is, an, is a reminder to me about important things. Grateful to you, Carrie, for your help in, in developing it. And I'm grateful just to have it as a stepping stone along the way for me um, as I continue on this journey, which is not just on a road. It's so three-dimensional <laughs> and so fully spatial, probably four or five dimensional, who knows. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's good to have good companions uh, in, the, in the dance. And I thank you for being one of those people for me. Well, it was such a, a wonderful experience to, you know, to travel this one with you um, and to be part of that collaboration. And I'm just waiting for the second song now. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to The Growing Edge with Carrie Newcomer and Parker Palmer. Thank you for joining us today, and I hope you'll check out the next episode. And don't forget to visit our website, newcomerpalmer.com, newcomerpalmer.com, so you can join in the conversation. Now we have a favor to ask. If you like today's show, rate us and leave us a review on iTunes. If you actually write out a review, that's even more wonderful. It's the best way to help us reach new audiences and bring more voices into the conversation. All the music you heard on today's show was written by our own Carrie Newcomer, and much gratitude to Gary Walters for performing the song, The Clean Edge of Change. And wild appreciation to Allison Quantz for creative envisioning, production, editing, and because, oh, can she dance on her own and with Baby Ella.